Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes in defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 116 is entitled, The Eternal Family. It is difficult to understand what we mean to God until we understand what our own children mean to us. All things are first created spiritually, even the human race, as described in Genesis, and then they are created naturally. The first creation is the image and model of the second. Our physical body is modeled after our spirit body. Our spirit body is modeled after God. Earth is modeled after heaven, and everything testifies of God and reminds us of our former home. God meant for the family to last forever. The idea of marriage everlasting has been believed through the ages. In Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, Theseus said, Fair lovers, you are fortunately met. Of this discourse we more will hear anon. Aegeus, I will overbear your will. For in the temple by and by with us, these couples shall eternally be knit. And, for the morning now is something worn, our purpose hunting shall be set aside. Away with us to Athens, three and three, we'll hold a feast in great solemnity. The early Christians certainly believed in the eternal sealing power of the priesthood. Jesus said to Peter, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew sixteen fifteen through 19 It was Peter who taught, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. 1 Peter 3, 7 It was the Savior who taught. He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Matthew 19, 8 Remember that it was God who married Adam and Eve. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Can anything that God seals be broken by man? In Ecclesiastes we read, 
I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. Ecclesiastes 3.14 In the Gospel of Mark, the Savior said, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Mark 10.9 And Paul teaches, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 11.11 The story of Adam and Eve established the model for the entire human race. It is ironic, isn't it, that Christians are the last true romantics. Every year my family camps below the dam at Douglas Lake on the French Broad River in East Tennessee. I cannot remember when my mother and father did not take us there every year camping. We began with an army tent and army cots. I still remember how sizzling hot that army tent was and how uncomfortable those old cots were, but they formed some of the fondest memories of my childhood. My siblings still carry on that tradition, although with more modern equipment. Yesterday, Memorial Day weekend, I was united once again with my sisters just below the dam by the French Broad River. I brought a huge bag of genealogy records with many pictures put together by my mother before she passed away. My mother worked on genealogy for decades. As I looked at the family pictures, then and many other times, of course, one was of mother holding what I think was her first fish. I remember when she caught it. She screamed and jerked the poor brim out of the river and threw it over the trees. How fondly I recall those easy times. My father passed away at age 81 and my mother at age 90. It is not possible for me to think of them as vanished into cosmic dust. It is impossible for me not to assume that their eternal spirit still lives, not just in the photos, not just in my memory, but in a glorious paradise, a world of spirits where everyone goes to await the resurrection. I believe unfailingly that I will see them again along with other loved ones who have passed on. For anyone who believes in the eternal nature of the spirit and the eternal nature of God, that we are all children of God hoping someday to go home and live again with him. For anyone who believes that, it is not a great leap to believe that we will be organized again into family units. My mother, for example, would tell stories of ancestors whom she had researched but never met. To her, they were not names on a chart. They became real, and she called them by name. It is not difficult for me to think that even now that she is among those spirits of the dead, that she looks them up and becomes acquainted with them on a different level perhaps even introducing some spirits to their own ancestors. Without the eternal nature of the family, there would be little point in the resurrection. Can one imagine that God would send us to earth to multiply and to replenish the earth, to form bonds so strong that even death cannot break them? Can one even imagine that those bonds would not last forever? That as my children know me and I know my parents and they know their parents and so on into the eternities. Imagine an unbroken family chain leading back to Adam and Eve and forward to the last human on earth. Now imagine that you see your own unbroken line as it was meant to be, no longer subject to the vicissitudes and uncertainties of life. We cannot comprehend God without contemplating the infinite. We are locked into mortality by a veil drawn over our mortal minds at birth. What happens when that veil is lifted and we view that which we once experienced backward into the eternities, 
And then we turn and look forward at our children whom we know, and our grandchildren, and if fortunate, our great-grandchildren. My first wife, who dedicated all of her adult life to her family, died without seeing all of her grandchildren. We have six daughters, and their children are growing up fast, and will soon have families of their own. Will she be denied ever seeing them? How can we think that, and still believe in a just God? Our mortal vision ends with our mortal memory, but God doesn't. And when we cross the bar, that veil will be lifted, for we will live not among the dead, but among their living spirits. Just as one day we will see all of our ancestors, one day we will see all of our posterity. That is what God sees. Every couple to God is an Adam and Eve, the beginning of a dynasty that lasts forever. I recall a poem of Alfred Lord Tennyson entitled, Crossing the Bar. Sunset and evening star and one clear call for me. And may there be no moaning of the bar when I put out to sea. But such a tide as moving seems asleep, too full for sound and foam, when that which drew from out the boundless deep turns again home. Twilight and evening bell, and after that the dark, and may there be no sadness of farewell when I embark. For though from out our bourne of time and place the flood may bear me far, I hope to see my pilot face to face when I have crossed the bar. Of course, the pilot Tennyson is talking about is the pilot all Christians wish to see face to face. But isn't it exciting because of the atonement of Jesus Christ? Because of his mercy and grace, we will see so much more. We will see our own family our extended, seemingly unending family. Those who lose family members in this life will greet them with joy in the next, for family bonds are meant to be eternal bonds. Love transcends mortality, for love is an eternal bond that knits everything together. The two great commandments begin with the word love. One of the titles of Christ is, He is love. But it isn't just the marriage covenant that is eternal. It can also apply to inheritance. As God promised Abraham, so does he promise all those who inherit the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Genesis 17, 8. Notice the phrase, for an everlasting possession. How can that promise be fulfilled if the earth is prophesied by Peter? shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Peter answers the question for us. Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. See Second Peter 3, 7-13. Just as our earthly possessions take on greater meaning, just as our hearth and home by family members who gather around us, so it is with our eternal possessions. Of what value would it be if we sat in a marble mansion adorned with gold alone for eternity? No, the thought is unthinkable. I think we'll be heaven because we will be surrounded by family. On earth, that is where love is taught. That is where love springs to life. Love brings life into the world, and it is love that makes one sacrifice his or her life for another. It was the pure love of Christ that gave us the great life sacrifice. In the home is where love impels us to sacrifice everything we have. 
Love without sacrifice is like earth without water. How can it flourish? How can it bear fruit? How can it even know what it is capable of? The earth is to be an everlasting possession, divided into family units, for those who keep the God of love's commandments. The children of Israel saw the land of Canaan as the promised land. How many of us see America as our promised land? As to that, how many see India, Russia, France, Germany, England, etc., as their eternal inheritance, their promised land? I do not believe that God, who is a God of order, is arbitrary in anything. It is easy to forget that he is omniscient and omnipotent. That must influence all of his decisions, even the decision of our own mortal and immortal inheritance. How could it be if we all saw what John saw? And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But you know, we will, we can, and we may see it with our family. It was Paul who said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, forasmuch as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 55-58 Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.